Episode 10, The Poison of Immortality. Welcome to Living the Tao, a spiritual podcast that explores how ancient wisdom, a practical perspective, and deep truth can empower you to live your best life. In this episode, Taoist master Michael Steenrod describes the nature and spiritual significance of time, how the knowledge of your own death is a source of great power, and how to make a spiritual plan. Okay, let's deal with this whole thought of time being an absolute limiting condition. First, let's deal with the thought that time is linear. Because, to start with, time is linear. It's only when you reach a point where time is not linear, that time is not linear. Taoists in general believe that time is not linear. And what does that mean? We'll We'll jump over this to the side. The reason I'm pointing this out is just so that you understand both models exist. So if you're reading the texts and you see somebody say, well, you know, the fact that blah, 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 and you begin to realize what they're talking about is time is not linear, you'll know that that exists as a standard theory. However, having this piece of knowledge is completely useless to you as a factor. I absolutely believe that time is not linear for many different reasons. Uh, And those reasons all have to do with my own practice. By what time is not linear means, it means that all moments in time exist forever. So every single thing that you have done, good, bad, neutral, uh, every interaction you have had, every person you have ever uh, had a relationship with, transferred resources with, engaged in personal development with, that moment of doing that exists right now. And so it's going on even as you talk, it will be going on forever, and it will be going on, the, everything that you're going to do is going to be going on forever. Uh, that doesn't mean that change can occur, it just means that time is not linear. So you can contemplate that for a while, and it's an interesting little contemplation device. Later on, it becomes useful for certain practices. But let's deal with the fact that time is linear. So we'll make this presumption, because as far as you know, time is linear. And mostly the reason that we assume time is linear is because we have to remember things that we have already done. If you had absolute memory of things in the past, your concept that time is linear would begin to erode. And I know this because I have seen it done many, many times. As you meditate, your memory starts to increase dramatically in events that were years ago where it can be as if they are occurring. Uh, and so you begin to think, well, maybe the only reason I think time is linear is because I have a hard time remembering the past. Uh, if I didn't have a hard time remembering the past, maybe I wouldn't think that time was linear. Uh, and really, so based on our assumptions of how we experience the world, we begin to think, oh, there is a past. And what we really think of something being past is what? Not so much that we can't influence it, it's that we can't remember it well. That's what something past is. And of course, since you can't remember the future, it must not have been done yet. So That's kind of weird, so don't think about it too much. Okay. So time being linear, what this boils down to is that you only have so much time, uh, so linear and finite for a human. These go together, by the way. It's only finite if it is, in fact, linear. Uh, the...
by limiting condition okay there's a reason that Taoists uh, have written all these things about strategy and tactics and stuff uh, your ability to do anything has certain limits associated to it those limits are usually resources conditions in the environment or what's known as circumstance limitations so how much stuff you have what your surroundings will let you do one of these factors that is either considered usually a resource or a circumstance is time <clears throat> These are things that you cannot change at the start point. So you are given these things. You have a certain, so let's say as I sit here magically, I have uh, okay, this wad of paper in my pocket and a paper clip. This is all I have. These are my resources that are available to me. Now my plan can be to acquire more resources using these resources. So I take my paper clip and I make it sharp and pointy and I rob somebody uh, so that I have more resources. That could be my plan, but at any given point in time, I have a limited quantity of resources. I must absolutely accept that those are my resources. <clears throat> because any plan I undertake to move from point A, whatever point A is, the origin, to point B, the destination, is going to be dependent upon the resources that I have, what my surroundings, and what my surroundings are. One of the big resources that we have that we are trained to ignore, and that is very limited, is time. Okay. If I have enough time, I can accomplish almost anything using this piece of paper and this paper clip. Remarkable things. Now, directly with these things? No. But I could create a chain from these things that would allow me to do something else. Okay. So I take whatever start resources I have, I look at my destination, because a plan is always the bridging of a gap from point A to point B, whatever those things happen to be. Okay. And I design, using whatever I have at the start, a way of getting from point A to point B. Many times plans are flawed by not knowing what your origin is, what your start point is. And in fact, spiritually, you spend a lot of time discovering what your point A is. What am I at this particular time? And that can be quite consuming. Then, of course, you have whatever your goal state is. What do I want to become? And that, just defining A and B can be a process of, you know, some outrageous period of time that you're sitting back, well, you know, because if you sit back and say, oh, I want to go to Phoenix, well, that's pretty straightforward assuming you're leaving from Flagstaff. What if you don't know where you are? So I design a plan. Well, I'm going to journey out you know, two and a half hours in this direction and you find out, oh, the problem is I'm in Hawaii. Now I'm in the middle of the ocean. I guess I couldn't do that. So how you plan to get somewhere is hugely dependent on this here. And of course, if you don't have any destination, you're just heading in a particular direction. Uh, those are two critical factors for the formation of a plan. Circumstance, well, what is your surrounding? So, 
Again, this has to do with your point A, but it also has to do with the terrain that's going to be covered going from point A to point B. And so those are dramatically different plans. So if I'm going from Hawaii to Phoenix, besides that being a different starting point, I have to deal with water. So these, what I'm going to use my paperclip for and my receipt for is going to be different than if I'm going from Flagstaff to Phoenix. Uh, because the terrain that I'm passing through, the surroundings or the circumstance are different. What limits all of this? The thing that limits the plan that I can make the most is usually time. It is not always time. And we'd have to go into a big study of strategy and such in order to truly explore this. But the primary limiting condition is time. Humans rarely think of time being a limiting condition. For what reason? Because you die. You're trained to ignore the death limit. Any plan that you have has to take into consideration time. If you ignore the possibility of death, you will automatically ignore the possibility of time. And you'll not just ignore it for yourself, you will ignore it in the plans that you make for everything else, because you're eliminating time from your thought process. As soon as you start thinking about the limitation of time, the limitation of death becomes inevitable in thinking. Uh, it is impossible to avoid the thought because you're sitting here, well, I only have this much time to do blah, blah, blah. And then one day when you're just sitting there, you go, oh, I only have this much time to do blah, blah, blah. Uh, and so then you must address this issue. Uh, if you're looking at spirituality or enlightenment systems, uh, it doesn't take a huge amount of time to make a dramatic amount of spiritual progress. Uh, and it doesn't, in fact, in any spiritual system. Uh, the but you have to sit back and realistically look at the amount of time you have in order to do something as you go along. Because if your plans for life or your actions for life in the three areas, uh, relationships, resources, and development, <clears throat> if you make an assumption that you have infinite time, the behavior that you engage in is dramatically different than the assumption that you, than the behaviors you engage in if you sit back and think, well, I only have this amount of time. So suddenly, if it's three days, your behavioral set is going to be different than if it's three years, 30 years, 40 years, whatever amount of time. Uh, and there is a presumption that underlies all behavior when you're working these things. The presumption is, I have this much more time, or I don't have this much more time. Uh, I could tell you straightforward from an adept standpoint, this condition, if you want to go into advanced practice, is absolutely grilled into you. It's grilled into every single thing you do, and you wake up with it and go to sleep with it every single day. And you do it to the point where it doesn't bother you anymore. Uh, you simply go, well, it is inevitable that this occur, uh, so I must undertake these actions here. And for a lot of other people, that's freaky. So it's like, why are you doing blah, 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 blah? Well, I'm going to die. Uh, and, and you know, as soon as you say that to them, it's like... <laughs> now, do I mean this in a negative way? You know, I'm sitting here possessed with the fear of this or of that? No, I've spent decades with that intimate knowledge of my own death. It doesn't uh, bother me in the sense of... Or, <gasps> And it's a more matter of, well, I can't do that because I'm going to die. Uh, and uh, what do you mean you're going to die? It's like, well, you are too. Uh, 
what you have to accept is you're going to die. So doing these things over here is just completely foolish given those conditions. Uh, and as soon as you sit back and begin to realize, well, I'm mortal, there's no reason for me to do this or do that or do that, you start discarding things. And you begin realizing that certain attachments are foolish because you're going to die. Uh, and there is a great strength in that. There's a strength in knowing that there is an end uh, to what you're going to set out to do. And you can either control that strength or you can let it overwhelm you because of the fear that's associated with it. And when you realize that, well, you know, the, the advantage of this is that there's an end game and I don't really have to worry about that, uh, and you just go, well, yeah, since I'm going to die, I don't have to worry about that. Uh, and it's a matter of, well, you know, because you're presuming that you're immortal, you have to worry about that quite a bit. Uh, because I'm presuming that I'm done within this period of time, even if it's a huge period of time or if it's a short period of time, uh, I don't really have to worry about that too much. Uh, and so this becomes a comparison point as you go along. If you don't think that the knowledge or ignoring death influences you, you can check your behaviors by a simple statement. Is this important? Considering that I'm going to die. And as soon as you start checking things against it, certain things will drop away. And the reason those things that drop away are those things that you are presuming you are immortal. So hence they are important. Uh, as soon as you start presuming that you are in fact mortal, uh, and you go, well, that's not a, at all important, I guess, because I'm going to die. Uh, and as soon as I'm dead, that's done. Uh, what happens? All sorts of little things drop away. Worry, in fact, is oftentimes the presumption that you are immortal. Strangely enough, there's an underlying thought. The reason you worry about things is because you're sitting back thinking I'm immortal. Uh, so this is worth worrying about, or this is worth uh, occupying my resources with. It's not worrying, worth worrying about because of what? You're going to die, uh, so don't worry about it. Uh, and that's a strange comfort to people that I have periodically given without even thinking about it. So why are you worrying about that? You're going to die. Uh, and be like, what do you mean? It's like, <laughs> I shouldn't worry about my test scores because I'm going to die? It's like, yeah. <laughs> it's really not that important because you're going to die. Uh, this can be a strange thing to deal with, but it's ultimately something that you must deal with because it is a factual condition of the environment. Now, you also have the means of addressing those factors easily. It is within your human capacity to do so because generally you are designed to address normal occurrences within the environment. You are designed to address uh, factors uh, that you look at in the environment and go, well, you know, you can tolerate getting wet because of what? You get rained on. Uh, you can tolerate being hot because of what? It gets hot. You can tolerate being cold because of what? It gets cold. If you couldn't tolerate those things, then you couldn't survive over time as a species. Uh, and we are certainly capable of addressing these issues here. And you're certainly capable of living with those issues. Now, if you've been very distant uh, from the reality of your own existence, so if death has not really been in your mind much, then it, you will have to struggle in order to get to a point of acceptance. However, you're built for acceptance. You can do the struggle and you can get to that point. Uh, and it's been done certainly by everybody that came before you, uh, so you can certainly do it uh, in one way or another. Now, <coughs> 
The comforting thing about time is not linear, and the reason we don't really spend a lot of time with it initially is it actually means you're going to exist forever. Uh, but it also means that you're going to exist forever doing some really stupid stuff. Uh, so you say, oh yeah, that, that, it's going to exist forever, isn't it? <laughs> we hope you're enjoying this episode of Living the Tao, a spiritual podcast. This podcast is sponsored by the fine folks at Water Mountain. Please take a look at some of the great Four Ascendant Sphere merchandise. Your purchase helps keep everyone gainfully employed. Please go to thedaoismforthemodernworld.com and visit the shop. Now, back to the program. So, time being not linear is oftentimes avoided as I thought simply because it can be used as a dodge to reality. Uh, and it doesn't need to be that way. Uh, but the fact is, is that it's also true. Uh, those moments and people that you have interacted with will always have a presence within the great expanse of the universe. Is there going to be a time where you, in, in some other cluster of time, where you are unimportant and don't exist? Yes, as there was before you became important and existed. Uh, that is simply the structure of things as they go along. Uh, because the nature of all things being equal, which is the presumption of Taoism, is that everything has its time period. Uh, those time periods are all of equal importance. One doesn't dominate another one, uh, and uh, one doesn't completely just disappear uh, from the facet of the universe. It's built to have that whatever portion of awareness within it and absorbed into the greater and divine things around it. So. Okay. So why is this important? It's important because it needs to influence behavior. Uh, and, it, and really, if you, I don't like to drag out the, what I can really consider the bludgeon of death because it's been used for that purpose in religion uh, quite extensively. Uh, basically, hey, you, know, you, need to, you need to engage in this belief system because you're going to die. Uh, and so it becomes a huge bludgeon uh, that can be used for that. You need to engage in whatever belief system because it leaves you to a better life uh, and allows you to address the circumstances of your environment in a better way. Uh, the fact that this exists within your environment uh, is okay. Uh, if anything, it gives the human the ability to be noble. Whereas if the lifespan was infinite at this juncture, all we would have would be infinite pettiness. Uh, because you would have no reason to develop forward. Assumptions of being immortality always lead to bad behavior. Uh, and while I would like to say it in a different way, uh, that's the nature of it. That's what humans choose to do with the thought of being infinite. Uh, being infinite generally means being infinitely stupid. Uh, and when do humans achieve their greatest nobility? When they're dealing with death. Uh, that's when they actually stop being stupid. Uh, and that's when they start dealing with the fundamental reality, is when they sit back and go, well, here is this issue over here. What does it do? It magnifies the human experience and makes them something besides being petty and shallow. Uh, and any sort of pursuit based along those lines results in that type of behavior. Uh, so, a pursuit, I mean anything that's based with the knowledge of life and death when and it generally makes a human more noble uh, because they're actually dealing with the environment because they can't worry or get caught up into things which are essentially foolish 
if you deal with children, this isn't a bad, well, it's going to be, I guess, so we'll just let it be whatever it is. Children have a presumption of life going on forever and for that reason behave foolishly. Uh, and uh, as they start to become more aware of the limitations of the environment uh, from a strategic standpoint, they start to reduce their foolish behavior. Uh, it is the presumption of immortality that leads to foolish behavior, straight out. Uh, it is the thing that makes humans uh, weak, and it is the thing that uh, uh, leads to indulging in uh, all sorts of illusion. You can only afford illusion if something's not going to end. Uh, if it is in fact going to end, you can no longer afford illusion. You start to abandon it as you go along. And you see that very clearly in situations of war and conflict. Uh, as a person goes into a war situation, what happens? Very steadily, illusions are stripped away from them. They reduce down to the basic fundamental realities of human truth, and they start dealing with each other directly. Uh, and now part of that dealing with each other is not necessarily the most desirable dealing with each other, but it is in fact truthful. Uh, and so a truthful foundation is formed under the pressure of life and death. Uh, without that, you know, you would really have infinite stupidity. Uh, and <coughs> my teacher soon is uh, probably a more modern school physical or immortalist, meaning that he believes that the, in, a, in a simplified way, the death of the, the human as a body is the death of the human. There is nothing that continues. So that's actually very old school Taoism. Uh, he believes in a variant of that, that he is uh, gradually centered upon over many years of study. Uh, but that variant is pretty complicated. But ultimately, um, his point is, is that the human life can be extended dramatically if a human actually wants to extend the human life. And that's the big problem with achieving great lifespan. And I say this about a person that in his 50s looks younger or looked younger than I do now. And that was, of course, some time ago. But even now, uh, among his, and I haven't seen him since, I think, 97, but uh, among the, his students that still travel or interact with him, all of us who have now aged uh, in comparison, they oftentimes, uh, he's oftentimes mistaken as their younger brother. Uh, and he's in his 70s now. Uh, and so, but physically appears much, much younger than him. And what he says basically is that, well, the reason that people have trouble with extending their lifespan is they actually don't want to extend their lifespan. Uh, what they're afraid of is dying. Uh, and, but they don't have a great positive desire to extend life. Uh, if they do, they live longer. Uh, if the only thing that keeps them in life is the fear of death, they die. Uh, and because fear is not that strong of a compulsive force when it comes to uh, the issue of life and death here. Uh, what has to be your strong compulsive force is really sitting back, knowing the balance of things, and then choosing life. Uh, choosing the behaviors that lead to life. Uh, and finding joy within the process of life. Uh, if you don't have joy within that process, then you're not going to pursue it, are you? Uh, you're just going to wait until the time limit runs out and you can't make any other decision but to die. Uh, now, if you think that's an exaggeration, think about how many decisions you make by simply letting the time limit run out. Uh, if there is anything that defines human strategy, that's it. 
Uh, you just let the time limit run out and then the decision's made for you. You don't have to actually do anything. Uh, let me tell you from a marketing perspective, that's actually the fundamental marketing thing that uh, underlies a huge amount of marketing. Marketing is about human behavior. So you sit back and go, well, you know, you have to compel action before the time limit runs out. Uh, and uh, most people will let the time limit run out, and no matter what they do. There is an adept practice, and I'm mentioning this so you can avoid it, and, uh, where you come to the realization that everything you do is futile. Uh, without a doubt. And the reason it's an adept practice is you is if you do it prior to then, uh, you just simply end up paralyzed going, everything I do is futile. Uh, meaning it will not matter at all. It's not going to change the course of events, it's not going to do this, it's not going to do that, so oh, why bother? But what you really realize is that if everything is futile, you have tremendous power. Uh, and you can do pretty much anything. Uh, and achieve great things as a result, which is a strange conclusion from everything being futile. That's why it's an adept practice. So if, if, you're, if you think about death and you start thinking that everything is futile, I'm saying stay away from that thought uh, unless you want to go through the complete process of reaching all the way around to realize that that's a source of power. Uh, the knowledge of death is a source of power. It's not a source of weakness. It doesn't have to paralyze you. It can move you forward. Uh, and because it will, it will galvanize or harden you for action. Uh, and so if you have a concern of this or of that, go, well, you know, is this important if I'm going to die? And, you know, suddenly you stop caring about this, you stop caring about that. The things you act on, you act with great commitment uh, and without attachment. Suddenly we're all the way back. Well, if, if we really want to dive into the nonlinear time model, basically the you that was you two years ago is currently doing exactly what it was doing two years ago. Uh, so let's say two years ago you opened a can of Pepsi. Right now, in that time, which still exists, you are still opening a can of Pepsi. And so really the division into past, present, and future is, is a linear time thing is that all moments of time are simultaneous. Uh, so simultaneously, the future you, or the you that's actually there at that location, is in fact doing whatever it's going to do. What makes... Uh, now, if, we, if you look at that, you can sit back and go, well, that means that everything is static and change is impossible. Well, what it really means is that the you at any given point in time, all of which exists simultaneously, can make different decisions at those times. Uh, so the past you can suddenly choose not to open that can of Pepsi. And what it really means is that change is independent of the movement of time. Well, it's going to do whatever it's going to do because that's that person at that time. Uh, so, and you're you're the person right now sitting in this chair, uh, and you will always be that person sitting in that chair. Whoever's in the in the future from a linear perspective is going to be the person doing whatever. You as a person are a composite of everything that you ever do. You are not the past, you're not the future, you're not the present, you're different, not different people at, at any given time. Uh, there is no magic uh, differentiation between the past and the present. Uh, the key for thinking about nonlinear time is that you can't even refer to linear time in order to conceive of it. Because as soon as you start thinking past, present, and future, you, what you're really thinking about is linear time. The, past, pre, the words past, present, and future were created to describe uh, basically changes in memory, uh, but also uh, linear time. 
And uh, the as soon as you abandon that and you ask yourself, well, what does this mean? What am I? Uh, so you're all those particular movements composed at any one particular time. So I told you you didn't want to think about this. <laughs> uh, time is a factor that must be considered in choice. Until you reach the point where perception is capable of extending across time, uh, you have no control over that, so it's outside of your range of influence. <clears throat> if you deal with the whole concept of lineage, the argument of lineage is a nonlinear time argument. It's that every point of lineage currently exists. So every holder that came before me and every holder that will come after me uh, currently exists. And the whole concept of being in touch with a lineage so is the fact that you can tap into the power and knowledge of everybody that is currently existing. Uh, that's the reason that uh, in the Eastern systems there is an alignment to a lineage uh, because you get the benefit of being part of that lineage. Uh, by the way, this also eliminates the only in linear time does reincarnation exist. Uh, outside of linear time, reincarnation does not exist. Yes, if all points in time exist simultaneously and, and change can occur independent of time, and that's a big factor because our scientific definition of change is relative to time. Okay? That is the variable that is always in every single thing when you are measuring change is what happens across time. If you eliminate that, then you eliminate the concept of change uh, across or as being bound to time. Okay. So if you eliminate change being bound to time, it means that any point in time can change, independent of time. And in fact, you can tap into all of your nesses. And you can tap into the nests of any other individual existing at any particular time if you really want to get into the whole nonlinear time thing. That's what the aspect of lineage is. It means that all things are uh, capable of interacting across time. Uh, so the whole human collection uh, is capable of an interaction that they're just unaware of. Nonlinear time model emerged from experience. Uh, so as a person uh, proceeds into advanced adept training, the linear time model actually breaks down and you begin to realize something very spooky. It's just a model. Uh, and uh, then you begin to realize that, holy crap, the nonlinear time model is correct. Uh, and uh, that starts to change things. But the fact is, is that you use the model that's accessible to you and is effective for action at any given time. Because all we, we, can't, we can't completely and absolutely perceive the universe as it is from all aspects. So we use models of them uh, because that guides our action. Uh, if your experience is, is linear, then certainly you want to use a model that's truthful for your experience. Uh, as that experience starts to be not truthful with that model, uh, then you start to abandon that model and switch to something else. So initially, the concept of nonlinear time can be fascinating because it will start to explain small things in the back of your head. You'll start going, oh, yeah, that would make perfect sense in nonlinear time. I just won't talk about it. Uh, and, but that's all it'll be. It'll be that and a fantasy. Uh, and, but effective action will come from uh, the linear time model. And uh, as a person engages the linear time model and makes changes according to the linear time model, uh, it will be effective and it will change them enough uh, so they begin to realize that, oh, this is actually completely functional in the nonlinear time model. But what happened if you started to become completely aware of the future you? 
uh, that would be all the proof you would need uh, to really reach the point of uh, realizing, hold it, that means I exist in the future already. <laughs> and, uh, and then you start running around uh, doing the crazy stuff. So, But it also means, because we like to think of like the past stuff, uh, there's an underlying assumption that the past us is somehow inferior. Uh, and there's also the underlying assumption that the, the future us is better or sometimes inferior as well because you know, you're located at this particular time. What if you were located all across that time? Uh, and suddenly, you know, if the future you were active and the past you's were inferior, that would mean that the present you was inferior because it's the past of the future. Uh, and so you'd have to sit back and think, well, I'm the inferior model of me. Uh, and only when you get to the point where you don't have any of those presumptions of inferiority or superiority across the timeline will uh, you make gains towards linear and nonlinear time. But it also has some dramatic implications as for for action and what can change and stuff like that. So, but initially, it's going to be a fantasy, and it's an interesting thing to make yourself crazy with too. So, we hope you've enjoyed this episode of Living the Tao a spiritual podcast. In the next episode, Taoist master Michael Steenrod reveals the power of Taoist choice structure. Until then, find much more on Taoism at thedaoismforthemodernworld.com. Thank you 